This is First Nature, episode 16 on the Rising Man podcast. Good day to you, Rising Man family. This is First Nature on the Rising Man podcast, episode 16. I am your host, Sean Barry. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to have a little conversation about fall equinox or autumnal equinox and uh, what makes this day special, why do we pay attention to it um, around the world, right? This is a global event, global event, a global celestial event, right? Something's happening in outer space that's affecting the way us uh, little tiny humans scrambling around on the surface of a planet um, do our life. So pretty interesting stuff. Um, we're going to start with just kind of talking about what exactly is happening, right? Between the sun and the earth that makes, uh, fall equinox what it is. And then we're going to get into a little bit about, uh, how that, yeah, how does that affect our life? What, what, you know, how do we acknowledge that? Why do we acknowledge it? Why is it important to acknowledge what's happening with this alignment? And then we're going to get into a little bit about the, um, you know, looking at the medicine wheel, one of these tools that account for the things like the equinoxes and the solstices and other, you know, not, not so much astrological, but astronomical information that informs, reflects how we humans kind of do human. Uh, and then we're going to get into some, just the bigger picture, a little more philosophical, uh, you know, musings on how do we take things like fall, you know, this idea of what fall means if you live in a place where you have fall and um, projecting it outward onto, um, you know, humanity being us, us being a species on this planet tumbling through space. And then finally, some great ideas. How can you actually, you know, incorporate uh, autumnal equinox, fall equinox into your life with some ways to um, experiment and explore how you line up with celestial happenings uh, right here on earth in your daily life as you, you know, go off to your job or, you know, spend time with your family or, you know, just do the things you got to do to make ends meet and, and have a good day. Um, you can still call in acknowledgement and alignment with what's happening um, in the bigger scheme of, you know, planetary alignments. Pretty cool stuff. So we're going to jump right into it. Uh, but first, I do want to just remind you all, um, if you need reminding, you probably don't. But if you're a first-time listener, thanks for tuning in. And I um, always love to share a little bit about risingman.org, the website, risingman.org. And uh, if you know anything about Rising Man, you know that um, the team behind it, which is uh, a, a growing team, I mean, started with one man, of course, Jetty Azuma. So uh, he had a vision about bringing men together to... Uh, help support each other to be the best they can be. And that's grown into some really amazing, powerful programs and uh, different, uh, you know, we got several different threads on Telegram now for people to participate, for men to participate and being connected and facilitating each other and, and growing and developing themselves. And, um, and it's a real beautiful thing over there going on. So jump in. So again, head on over to the website, risingman.org. Check out the programs. Uh, look for one that speaks to you, feel the uh, apprehension, the resistance, the I don't know, and yeah, click anyways, sign up. You'll definitely get something out of it that's going to affect 
affect the trajectory of your life. Okay, enough inspiration talk, um, but do check it out and check out Dojo for sure. We're going to go ahead and launch into this conversation, and uh, thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you on the other side. Here we are, Fall Equinox 2022. What is Equinox? What's really going on? Well, we're going to talk about that in a couple of different domains. We're going to talk about it just on the astronomical level, like what's happening out there in space that makes this day significant. And we're also going to talk about it uh, just practically. Why is it a, you know important day to observe here on this planet? And, um, and what does that mean for us in our day-to-day -day lives? We're also going to look at um, how does uh, fall land on the medicine wheel? And, um, you know, what's happening as we transition from summer to fall, going through that west gate of the fall, um, definitely with, you know, the equinox being the center point there. And uh, talk about the different ways we can look at that uh, and, and work with our lives and find our way to transition ourselves along with nature and the planet and everything else going on in a harmonic way. And then uh, finally, we're going to talk about the big picture. Um, you know, a little more on the philosophical side of like, what, how does this reflect and represent or how could it symbolize what's happening? And the bigger uh, magnitude of just, you know, us as a species on the planet, you know, we're a being. We're this living organism walking around on the face of a planet. Like, as far as we know, it's the only one that's happening on. Love to say that because it's so true. It's amazing. But first, let's, um, let's just talk about what's happening out there in outer space, right? So, as you probably know, to some degree or another, that the Earth uh, is tilted on an axis somewhere around 23 and a half degrees average. It wobbles a little bit on that axis. But basically, you usually think about the, the planets, you know, when you look at a globe or something, or a map of the world, it's just kind of like on this horizontal level, right? And there's the, up, the Northern Hemisphere and the bottom hemisphere and North America, South America, Europe, uh, Africa, right? But actually in space, you know, when you, when you wrap that map on a globe, um, it's tilted a little bit, right? Tilts back. And what that means is as it goes around the sun, it's on this permanent tilt, right? So for us in the Northern Hemisphere in the winter months, the Northern Hemisphere is tilted away from the sun if the camera was the sun, right? But as we come around again into the summer months for us, what happens, you can see that the, the Northern Hemisphere is then tilted towards the sun if the sun was actually here in the middle, right? So that means in these positions here where the earth is on a tilt uh, parallel to the sun, uh, the equator actually is lined up with the curve of the sun, right? So there, there is this moment of one day, twice a year, there's one day where the sun rises and sets to our perceivable eye right along the east-west axis of the actual equator, right? So that's what's happening. What that basically means is we have, you know, within minutes, equal day and equal night. So 12 hours a day and 12 hours a night, right? Um, so that's what was happening. And, um, you know, a couple of things come up for me thinking about that is, uh, how, when, right? I know somewhere around when the agricultural re revolution started to take hold, we had to kind of figure that stuff out because it helped us learn when to plant and when to harvest. But surely we were looking at the stars before then and, and just noticing 
how the sun would get higher in the sky in the summertime and stay out longer and it would get lower in the sky. And, um, and I just kind of find that fascinating just with the human, you know, just as humans, how our perception, our observations, how we started to just notice that stuff and what stories were we telling ourselves about what it meant, right? So a lot of the stories we have now um, are written down, but they're written down from oral tradition, right? So there's a time when stories were um, around enough to where when people knew how to write languages, we could record them. But there's a whole time of humans where those stories didn't make it to the time where we had writing, right? So especially in those earlier days when we were noticing, just noticing what this stuff was happening in the skies and we didn't really know what to do about it or what it meant, you know, um, we would have to make up some kind of story or meaning because humans are this very creative meaning-making machines, right? So one about those old, old, old stories that never got recorded. And um, so that's what's happening out there. And... Um, and yeah, it's again, it only happens twice a year. The other two times that are significant, of course, are the uh, the solstices, right? When the um, when the sun is, you know, when the earth is tipped fully towards, you know, one hemisphere or the other, right? And uh, so June 21st and December 21st being the winter and summer solstices, um, longest days and shortest nights, right? But on the equinoxes, spring and fall, um, that's what's happening we're completely parallel, the, the equator is parallel to the, the curve of the earth and the curve of the sun are right across from each other. So we get that equal day and equal night. So practically, what does that mean, right? Well, uh, as I mentioned, once we did kind of come into the agricultural, you know, we kind of settled down and learned we could grow food and not have to migrate all over looking for it, it became pretty important to know when we could expect the uh, the weather to change. So when we did our planting, it wasn't too early, right? So if you plant too early, it's possible that there could still be a frost, right? And would kill all your little uh, uh, sprigs and then you would have no, nothing growing. It'd be too late to plant again because you wouldn't have enough time for it to grow after that point to harvest and get too cold, right? There's a very narrow window, really, when you think about it. It was about three to four months. So only a, like a 20 to 25% of the year are you really able to grow food if you're living in you know sort of the, um, the 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 mid or lower ranges of the hemisphere now obviously if you're on the equator and the sub equatorial sub equatorial zones um you know the tropical zones there's food growing all the time all year because their seasons don't really change a little bit right but in general they have a pretty consistent uh, amount of sun and um and their moisture patterns are the same and it's warm food likes to grow where it's warm but as you get further away from the equator, um, those growing times and growing zones get more particular and shorter, right? So especially uh, you think about um, North America and Europe, where most of the history, a lot of the agricultural history was happening there into the Middle East and just, you know, the Northern Hemisphere in general, as far as, you know, what I know, I'm sure there was stuff happening in the Southern Hemisphere too. Most of the stories I know about um, utilizing why it was important to track the stars, and astronomy and thus astrology and all the different sciences and philosophies that came out of watching the stars was was important is because our food depended on it our way of living depended on it right sure technically if we messed up really bad we might have to regress back to stone age techniques of hunters gatherers migrating around um 
But for all intents and purposes, um, we sustained this agricultural way of being for uh, thousands of years now. But they say about 15,000 years is when uh, we started planting and growing. So around the world, it's still a significant event. This, uh, this day is still very significant because it basically indicates that it's time to get your food out of the ground. Cold weather's coming. Um, if your food stays in the ground too long, unharvested, and the frost comes, uh, you're going to lose your food that way too. So it's a pretty significant uh, day in terms of how we sustain ourselves on this planet as a species, as a whole species. Our whole species depends on paying attention to these days. So that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, the days are getting shorter in our hemisphere. There's less lights, right? You've been noticing that the sun's going down a little earlier. It's not so bright when you get up in the morning. Um, maybe your days are getting a little cooler wherever you are. And um, this can definitely just affect our ability to get things done. I mean, depending on what you do for a living. I mean, if you're going into a, you know, an office building and you're under lights all day in a cubicle, maybe you don't really notice. But if you have any kind of construction job or uh, agricultural job or a job that requires you to be outdoors to do your work, uh, your whole um, work schedule is going to be adjusting right now to accommodate the shorter daylight and the, uh, and, and, and the cooler temperatures. Right. So it affects the, and the, you know, if you look around, obviously our, our, our entire modern world is based on the infrastructure we have built outside. So all the buildings, roads, um, utilities, all that outdoor work. You think about uh, anytime you're driving around town, you see road repair happening or guys up doing wire work or construction projects happening. There's a lot going on. And the daytime schedule, the changing of the lights and the, and the cooler temperatures getting into snow and ice can really affect uh, how our society progresses on that level. Don't really notice it so much because, you know, we don't we usually, for me, I'm just griping when, you know, there's road work going on, but it's a significant impact to the schedule of how we get things done. Um, you know, personally, you might be experiencing a little lull in your own energy um, just with the, the cooler days and the less light getting up and, you know, less light to be out in the evening with. Uh, I know for myself that I get a little wistful when the light gets low, just like the sun just now dropping below the trees here. And, um, and I can feel the coolness of the air. And uh, it just makes me a little, I have a little bit of a wistful feeling. Like, oh, oh, those long, bright, warm, sunny days, they're done. They're done for now. They're not coming back for quite a while. And, uh, and, it's, and I kind of like that feeling. Uh, I like that nostalgic sort of uh, sentimentalness that I feel when fall starts to come on and uh, start to recall the summer. You know, we're so present and so busy. Um, we tend to be anyways in our lives in summer, just out doing, being, and not thinking so much about the, the past or the future, more just present and the like, let's make the most of this time now. We don't really think about um, what happens after summer right coming into this time and so yeah um and i kind of like i said i like that feeling um you know if you do have a garden uh or any kind of outdoor you know anything going on if you have a pool obviously there's work to be done you have to prepare the you know your grounds you know you have to get things out of the garden you gotta if you want to preserve them and keep them to eat over the winter you gotta freeze things you gotta can things you gotta process things there's lots of extra work to do um, you know, there's tools to take care of. There's things to take from outside and put them inside so they don't get exposed to the weather change, right? So we don't really think so much about how much uh, the, the weather imp impacts 
our, our schedule and the way we perceive the things we have and what we do with them until we really stop and look at how much, uh, you know, the, the, the seasons and the weather actually inform how we kind of do our life, right? Particularly if you're like, you know, uh, somewhere up in the upper or lower hemisphere. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking about um, this other aspect of, you know, I did a summer solstice um, podcast over the summer. And what I wanted to tie into that now is, you know, in, in that podcast, we were talking about uh, summer is the time to, 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 uh, to really, um, what's the word, cultivate, like take care of what you got going, right? And I talked a little bit about like how in the spring, you know, it's all about the potential and tons of seeds are falling, tons of sprouts are coming up, but it's kind of when summer hits, uh, that's the moment where hopefully certain roots got in or hopefully certain babies made it out of the egg or made it out of the nest because once the time to grow comes in through summer, um, you know, that's that cuts the potentials down. Now we're just working with, this is what we got to work with and this is what we're gonna take care of through the summer and and uh, shepherd into the fall. And now we hit, we're here, right? Now is the time where we get to re reap the rewards of what we were able to take care of and to, um, and to look at that and to realize that uh, we can't really wait around and hope that we get a little more out of the things that we cultivated over the summer. Because uh, again, if we wait too late, we're gonna lose some of that, right? So psychologically, there is this shift of like, okay, just acknowledging that the, uh, the time of trying to make things happen is done, that's, that's completing. And now we need to shift and, and make peace with that saying, well, you know, we had hoped to get what we could um, we're going to get what we got and we want to just focus in on that completion, the completion of this whole, uh, you know, six months of the year of, of trying to get to this point to, to make what we could make so that we had something to go through the winter with. And, um, and that's not just for, you know, gardens and growing your own food. You know, that concept really does kind of follow through all of our different domains uh, throughout the whole year uh, and different aspects of life. You think about the school season, right? And you think about um, certain markets, the commodities markets, right? The commodities markets are basically moving with the seasons. And there's other markets like that. There are certain, um, you know, certain countries have certain economies that are based on seasonal output and seasonal resources, right? So there's a lot moving around these seasonal changes. And we really kind of think about when we just kind of read the paper and get the data, right? But this world is spinning, this world is turning, and the only way we're able to do to, to to be here on it is to to get into that harmonic you know that track with it to move with it to be in synergy and sync, in all the ways that we can. So even if your life isn't directly tied to something with the change of the season, uh, we're going to talk next about why that might be good to start just tuning into because um, you know every creature on this planet is tuned into that that cycle and that harmony and that that you know just going around the wheel of the seasons. So that's going to take us into talking about um, the medicine wheel, right? And I've talked about the medicine wheel before. And, um, but specifically, if we look at the medicine wheel and the, the wheel that we look at is one that is based on the, the Lakota Native American tribe wheel. It is, not the, it is not the Lakota wheel. 
But again, because medicine wheels with first peoples anywhere in the world you find them are tied to the land. Um, it feels good to look at the, the work that those first people did to identify and create that technology uh, so that we too here in this day and age can look at it and reflect on it and, and uh, bring our lives into tune with it too. So in general, uh, the West is called the, uh, the Autumn Gates or the Autumn Shields. Uh, or the, you know, the, the direction. And it, the color on the wheel that I refer to is black. So the seasons fall. Um, there's a stage of life that's associated with each, each direction too. And for fall, it's adolescence. And adolescence is the time where we are beginning to um, come into that first major change of, of how we look at life. You know, you think about um, getting out of high school or getting out of college or uh, getting your first career, getting married. Somewhere in there, there's like a significant change where you realize you're not a kid anymore and now you're an adult and you've got to get out there and be responsible and take charge of your life and make things happen on your own, right? So that's a huge energy there in the Westgate in the, uh, in the fall, you know. And similarly, like we were talking about just with food and stuff, it's it's like coming out of summer there is that sense of oh there's still food on the vine to pick there's still plenty of abundance you know that's it's all good but then you kind of pick it and realize this is what we got to work with for the next six months through winter and there's that that sobering sense of like whew, okay well i gotta be responsible i gotta take care of this food i've got to take care of my resources i gotta be you know um, learn how to uh you know uh, use them wisely right and how am i going to uh take care of myself and offer service and care to other people with what i have this limited amount right so there's that sense of um recognizing that uh as much as there's a lot of abundance uh conversations out there about abundance um the real truth is uh things are limited we have limited supply to fuel our abundance Right, so recognizing that um, there is a ebb and a flow, and there is a way to be in that ebb and flow in a healthy way, so that we feel the abundance, whether it's actual, you know, abundance or not. Um, and that's a little bit of a trick there. It's a little bit of a philosophical kind of emotional trick, but um, I think that's a big teacher from the West direction on the wheel is you know, looking back at our childhood and recognizing how we did literally kind of feel like there there was no, like abundance was a real thing. Like whenever we needed food, it showed up. Whenever we needed money, it showed up. Whenever we wanted to go somewhere, like we got there. Clothes, uh, school, uh, you know, our clothes got washed and ended up back in our dressers. You know, it's just like, we didn't have to worry about anything. There was no concern about uh, being taken care of. There was nothing but abundance. But then coming into entering into the adult world and realizing that um, that's not exactly true, right? And certain sacrifices and decisions have to be made in order to create the field of abundance existing, even though resources are limited and come and go. So um, that's a pretty important one to, to dwell on. Um, Speaking of dwelling, uh, the West direction is also a time of introspection. It's about going inside, right? So if you think about, um, you know, in the springtime, school is getting out. You want to be outside. You're connecting. You're, you're being with people. So lots of social activity going. You're outside a lot, for, like in the actual outdoors. 
um, to kind of use the, the, you know, the planting metaphor again, you know, the community goes out and plants the seeds together for each other. You know, they're getting all the seeds into the fields. It's big community work days. Uh, there's just a lot of outward, you know, energy going out in the springtime into the summer. And then when we come to the, to the, uh, the fall equinox transitioning out of summer into fall, um, we start to bring all that energy inwards, right? So instead of being out here exteriorly in the world, we start to kind of come back into here and start getting more con contemplative and more meditative, start looking at the decisions we have made, you know, taking stock of um, what we've created for ourselves and, and wondering um, what might we do differently next year? Uh, or what did we do well this year? That's, you know, something important to, to, to uh, double down on, you know, good behaviors, good habits, good commitments. And, um, and, and also looking for the things that aren't working. You know, all of us have things in our lives that have um, been there for a couple cycles, years, whatever, you know. And um, there's a little bit of that youth mentality with believing you know, fairy tale thinking that, oh, this year it's going to be different. This year is going to be different. There's a, a certain attachment to an outcome that isn't manifesting. And coming around to this time of year and doing that introspection work and, and really going into looking at, you know, the bare roots of yourself and seeing, is it time to, to pull those roots out, right? And how important it is to have people around you to help you do that reflection. So going inwards, doing uh, self-inventory, coming out to a small groups of friends, trustworthy people, and having conversations about like, I'm noticing about myself, I really wanna make this change, right? A few months from now, we're gonna have a, a new year. Um, uh, celestial speaking, celestially speaking, the new year is actually uh, on the winter equinox, right? That's when things start to change again. So between now and then is the opportunity to do, uh, you know, what the Westgate is really great at, at um, supporting, which is uh, transformation, ritual death, ritual rebirth, right? Identifying things that no longer serve us um, and creating opportunities, um, exercises, activities for ourselves to, to ceremonially um, die them off between now and the end of the year, right? So there's time to kind of plan how that looks and to make those decisions and then to, um, you know, so again, if the community is, you know, going out together to plant the seeds together for their community garden, then uh, in, in the fall, what we're doing is we're, we're going inside on our own and we're asking community to help us pull out our deepest roots within ourselves that don't serve. And what that does is create an open field and then something new can be planted in there. So that's a pretty powerful metaphor to think about um, this time of year. And um, it's, it's, it's way easier to do that work at this time of year when there's so much visual feedback with things dying back, right? So obviously leaves are just starting to turn a little bit depending on where you are. Um, uh, you know, there might be migrations of birds taken off. Um, depending on what kind of animal life you have around, you might notice that they're getting, they're getting a little less, you know, frequent. They're starting to look for places where they're going to hunker down for the year. So there's just a general pulling back, a general pruning back of all life right now. And it's a, it's a great mirror for, for us to do that within ourselves. You know, the opportunity here is to, to create a clean slate for ourselves every year. Whether you celebrate New Year's on January 1st or December 21st, 22nd, um, using this time of harvest to, to, to again, to, to gather the bounty of what we did well for ourselves 
over the course of the year and then to uh, let the rest go to go to seed or to root it out or to die let it die off right and then our uh you know our emotional uh, psychological philosophical topsoil gets to rest and recover through the winter and then in the spring it's renewed and we can plant in uh, wonderful new things and start to cultivate them for another cycle um big pictures bigger picture so this is right get a little philosophical i've been doing a little contemplating and meditating on these things i do all the time but uh this one in particular um really struck me the other day i was so i have um i don't really have a news feed i have my apple news on my phone right and i since i've had that I've never gone in there and edited the um, preferences, right? I just kind of get what Apple throws up at me. And I know to some degree they're tracking what I spend more time on and what I don't, and they'll kind of, you know, do their little logarithm deal. But in general, I don't go looking for climate change news. But I got to tell you, I'm sure all of us can relate that there's been so much climate change news and events this year, um, just with the flooding. That's, I haven't heard of too many outrageous fires, at least, you know, not in the States, but tons of flooding, heat waves, um, a lot going on out there, um, droughts. Uh, there's some huge, huge, massive events going on. And um, the one thing that I feel is important to kind of put into the consciousness out there to consider is, if you look at how long humans have been around, right? So we're Homo sapiens, right? Homo sapiens has been have been around for about they say anywhere from two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand years, as us, right? And then our most recent next ancestor was um, I think it's either a Homo, what is it, Bo, Bodoensis or Homo robodelensis? I, I can't see these words, but a very close near ancestor um, who looked a lot like us had a lot of the same you know, almost indistinguishable in some ways, but you know, the, the species or the, the family of hominids, right? Us and anything that looks similar like us, like us is well over a million years old, according to science, if you're into science, right? So I think about that, like, wow, we have been walking around on this earth in some form for a million years. That's incredible. And I know that there's some species, say like the loggerhead sea turtle, who literally pretty much in the same form it is right now swimming out there in the oceans has been the same turtle for 30 to 40 million years. Now that's a long living species, that's incredible, right? So a million years, nothing. And who knows if we're gonna go 30, 40 million years. But what I wonder is, um, you know, if, you're, if we're looking at the medicine wheel and we're thinking about the cycle of life starting in the east and spring, going to uh, summer in the south, fall in the west, north in the winter, um, where are we at on the wheel as a species? Because I feel like with all that's going down, I feel like as a species, as a planet, as a planetary event, we're kind of in a fall season altogether, you know, and this, uh, there's a lot that's... that's um, die like things are getting burned off things are drying up um, there's lots of wild weather just breaking things down destroying things there seems to be a lot of a lot of the I mean, we spent this great time of the last you know i don't know i guess you could even go back to the the egyptians right when they started building the pyramids and huge structures like that 
um, or even some of the, uh, you know, the, um, the South American uh, um, peoples had some pretty amazing structures too. But somewhere in there, four or 5,000 years ago is really when I would say is like the summer of our humanity where we were just building, creating, you know, just we had all these little things we figured out to do in our in the spring, our building our technologies in the spring, all this potential, right? And then our summer was the last four or 5,000 years, uh, building all this incredible stuff uh, to the point now where we have, we have satellites, we've, we've made, you know, we've, we've picked up handfuls of dirt and we've made things that have flown outside of our solar system, like incredible potential. Um, we've built amazing things. It's been a, a wonderful summer of making in the South. And, uh, and now it feels like we're coming into this time of, um, all right, time to pick and choose a few of the things that we really, really feel are valuable because it seems clear that we can't keep going at the rate we are and the way we are, right? So not to be all doomy and gloomy, um, I, I do feel like there's more hard times ahead for a lot of people, uh, perhaps us included, and so far, I feel relatively untouched, so I'm counting my blessings and saying my gratitudes. Um, but for a lot of people, it's, it's been, you know, their lives have been permanently changed already just from what, how the climate is responding to a lot of the activity we've been doing over the last, particularly the last 200 years. And so to me, I feel like uh, there's an opportunity here to start looking at like, well, if we're going to, you know, if we kind of get a little, if we can, can get somewhat identified to moving through the, the yearly cycle, right? And, and watching how we as an organism can be in harmony with the planet just on the yearly cycle with the seasons. Is there a way to start lo looking for the more subtler uh, cues on how to be with the planet through this, uh, through our, the season of our species, so to speak, right? And, and how do we respond to um, all these systems that are in place that are uh, not doing so well for us now, right? We, you know, we kind of missed the heyday in some ways, you know, because uh, there's, there's the, it's time to pay the piper. And, um, and we're still developing some amazing technologies that are, this have a lot of promise in sort of smoothing off the rough edge of this transition. But more importantly, on a day-to-day -day basis, um, how do we wake up in the morning and find a harmonic line through our day, understanding that we need to, or, you know, we need to, I don't know, do we need to, that there's an opportunity to be making decisions, to change our mindset, to change our values and standards about how we you know, were brought up to do things and how we've chosen to do things and our behavior around the way, the way we do things. And to see that um, there's a different way to live on this planet and it's up to us to, um, to take that step to in initiate the, the, the ritual death and rebirth of how humans do life. And, uh, and we're on their cutting edge. We're, on the, we're the pioneers. That's us. So I just want to drop this in there as a, uh, just a food for thought, right? And to think about the big, there's the big picture of your life. There's a the bigger picture of our time here on this planet. And then there's the giant picture of our species on this planet. And to what degree do, um, do we want to play a part, each of us individually? Um, and it'll probably be unknown and anonymous. It'll you know, likely never get recorded or noticed what you did or did not do. There's so many of us and we have such diverse um, micro decision-making lives that we live, right? 
but for yourself within yourself and for the people around you in your communities and the people that do know you, um, how can we help each other find a, find a good way through, right? For our kids and our kids' kids. And then your, for your great grandkids, which is a pretty good chance you'll, you'll see them because, you know, people aren't dying any younger. Life spans are improving, and um, it, which means you may be around to see your great, great grandkids. And how do you want them to be looking at you as far as what role you played in the earth that they inherit from us, right? You've probably heard that before about like, you know, that the youth, the ch our children will inherit the earth. We don't really think too much about that because of this idea that, you know, we get old and our kids are just right there behind us. But, you know, when our lifespans are increasing enough to where we can actually see our great grandkids start to come up in the world, then there's more of a, a, a real, uh, uh, a real, you know, sort of reconciliation with, with, yeah, this is the earth we handed off to you two generations down. Hope you like it, All right? That's a real thing. So uh, yeah, there's that. And um, I just want to finish up by uh, sharing some, you know, so I guess the next question is then, so how do we, you know, how do we even grapple with any of that? How do we take that out from just being a discussion or a thought in our head, any of this stuff, anything I've talked about today, how do we just take it from being something cool we listen to on a podcast into actually starting to bring it into our lives, embodied, you know, physicalized into our lives so that we can actually start to notice and uh, experience how it might have an effect on us. Well, got a few ideas for you. So um, simple stuff, right? It has to be, it has to start simple. For me, like whenever I get off my exercise routine, um, I know I can't, you know, if a month goes by and what are life busy, you get crazy, but a month goes by and you're like, man, I haven't been to the gym. It's time to get back into it. I know for me, I can't just go jump back into the gym and do my hour 20 minute routine the same way I was, you know, a month ago. That's just not going to happen. Uh, one, my body's not going to be ready for it. Two, my time schedule is probably not going to be ready for it. So I start small. I do, let me just do like 10 push ups, 10 sit ups, and you know, five minutes of stretching, like a f 10, like maybe even just a 10 minute workout, right? Just go through the motions. Super simple, super easy. It fits in my schedule. It doesn't cost me anything, but it starts to create this, um, the, uh, you know, but I experience myself like, oh, I'm working out, right? I set that time aside. I did these things with that time and now I'm done with it. And I can look back at my day and say, I did that thing. And then it's real. Right, so start small. Um, on the actual day of Equinox, which I think is the 21st, sometimes it's the 22nd, depending on where we're at in the world, um, you can just wake up and go watch the sunrise, right? This is the one day where the sun is gonna go in parallel from due east all the way over through to due west. And it's kind of a magical moment. So get up and watch the sunrise. It doesn't have to be a big to-do. Um, it could be on your front porch, right? And then on that same day, you know, you got some time to schedule this. So get up early, watch the sunrise, and then make a point of going somewhere, you know, being around somewhere, being outdoors um, where you can see the sunset. And really acknowledge that what you're, what you're actually watching 
you know, we call their son and it just becomes like so familiar. It's just this like, you know, it's the sun. It just comes out, it lights everything up and then it goes away. But what you're actually watching is a star. That's a star. Like when you look up at night and all the other stars up in the sky, that the sun is exactly like one of those. It's just that we're so close to it. We're so close to a star, you guys. It's crazy. You know, and I like to say this too. It's like when the sun's out, you can literally, we're so close to a star, you can put your hand up and feel the heat coming off the star. That's amazing, right? So just, you know, taking that day and making uh, just a special moment of really trying to look at it as a, a star, watching a star, watching the earth. And it's not even the sun isn't rising. The sun isn't setting. The world is spinning, right? You're turning into the star, which makes it kind of look like it's coming up. And then as we turn, we watch it go by. And then we can look over our shoulder as we continue to turn and, and watch it go out of sight. That's really what's happening. This planet is spinning almost at the speed of sound, believe it or not. So that's a really easy one, a pretty dramatic one, if you can kind of really get into the headset of it. Um, other things you can do leading up to the day, um, start making a gratitude list, get a piece of paper, stick it on your fridge, stick it on your door, uh, get a three by five card, put in the dashboard of your car, make a special note on your iPhone or you know, your pad or tablet or whatever on your laptop. And just start and call it the gratitude list. Just start noticing what are, you what are you grateful about for the year so far? Right, up until this point, how has your year been? And what are the, the highlights, the things that are like, wow, beautiful, so glad this year happened. Right, just making that gratitude list and getting, getting prepared, starting the preparation, getting your uh, emotional body um, ready to say goodbye to this year. It's not that far away. And to really uh, you know, live into all that's happened in the last 200 and some days to you. So gratitude list is great. Um, you know, what have you accomplished? What have you celebrated? What are the highlights, things you're grateful for? You can also make a companion list. And, um, you know, a big thing with New Year's is New Year's resolutions, right? And I know that uh, it's kind of cliche, but it's really not. It's really not. So again, whether it's January 1st for you or December 21st or whenever you celebrate your new year, start now. I know if you sit down and, and do a little introspection, especially at a time of day like this where, um, oh, the moon's out. I don't know if you can see that. But just getting a blanket and a chair and just coming outdoors somewhere quiet in the stillness of the evening and really just start to tap into looking at what you know you need to say goodbye to ways of being, um, choices you make, um, you know, anything about your career path, relationships, right? Um, it might mean making requests of people to, uh, to, you know, to ask them if they're willing to do something differently in order for you to um, have a better relationship, right? So ending, ending, parts of a, of, a, of a relationship in that way where you're making requests and getting real, getting honest and truthful and vulnerable with your friends and loved ones and, and making contact through that request of like, I need this to change. Can we do it? Um, sometimes it can even mean letting go of a friendship, right? We all grow and change and it's okay 
to not have to be around somebody that you know is not gonna be healthy for you for a time to be around. It's okay, you can make that request. Start with the request. Whatever it is, it's always a request, right? So make that list, what needs to change? What needs to, you know, preparing for that ritual death, what are you willing to let die in your life and stop being a part of so that you can create a, a clearing in that field and let life compost all that for rich topsoil, rich emotional topsoil next spring. Um, right along with that is, you know, start having conversations with the important people in your life. When's the last time you really sat down and told a good friend or your partner or spouse or, you know, parents, grandparents, sibling, really sat down and said, said hey, I want to talk to you for about 10 or 15 minutes. When can we do that? And then, and tell them, hey, I love you. Here's why I love you. Here's all the ways uh, you show up for me. Um, here's all the ways I see you. Really give them love. Um, that's part of the gratitude piece too, is just sharing the abundance of what we've, you know, again, just kind of using that, um, the agricultural metaphor, like we're, the harvest is coming in now, all these bushels of beautiful fruits and vegetables are coming in. So share that abundance. And uh, we have huge hearts. Uh, we're able to witness each other and look at, at each other's lives. And, um, and this is how we do, how, how we get to be seen by others is by actually having others say those things to us and really making a specific time, not just a quick, hey, I love you on the phone or you know, just in passing, really sitting down and saying, let me tell you exactly what I see. So that's another beautiful one. Um, something you can do in your own space uh, if you don't have an altar uh, in your house or place where you live, or e even if you do have an altar. Um, and an altar can be something super simple. You may feel like, oh, I don't have room for an altar. Well, it doesn't have to be like a huge church thing, right? It literally can be a, a small plate sitting on a windowsill or sitting on a bedstand or sitting in a special place. And what that altar really is, is it's a, it's a physical reminder about what's important and what's sacred to you, what's closest to your heart. Um, what are you putting your faith into? You know, what are you trusting about yourself and the world and the people around you and finding symbolic pieces to, to put onto that altar? Um, so if you don't have an altar, you can start with now's a great time. And, um, and a great way to do it is just to make a list of five things. Um, you know, what do you believe in? Could be science, could be God, could be the squirrel who runs across the tree outside your window every day. I don't care what it is. Um, but find a place to, you know, identify that you have a sense of belief, right? We all have a, we all believe in something, right? And then just find something symbolic to represent that belief. And you take that little symbol, you put it on your altar, and then, you know, you can make a commitment about every day or when you pass it by or however you want to do it. But make a point of going to that symbol and just saying thank you and investing in that belief, like remembering, just bringing you remembering or like, oh yeah, I believe, I believe this is true about whatever, right? So it can be about beliefs, you know, where your, where your uh, spiritual beliefs are. You can put things on there to represent, represent hopes and dreams. Um, you can put things on there to represent certain people that you're uh, saying prayers for, for whatever reason. So an altar can be a lot of things and, uh, and they're dynamic, they're alive, right? So you can, change things, things come and go. And uh, maintaining an altar is a really wonderful practice. 
And particularly with the time when, you know, this change of season, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to renew your altar, to prepare it for the season that's coming and to um, put a little more of a thematic awareness around that it's, it's the time of dying back, whatever that might look like on your altar. Um, spend time alone, right? Again, this is um, fall. It's about the introspection. It's about uh, getting that solitude maybe you've been neglecting that you've known you've needed over the summer, but it was just too busy, having too much fun, didn't give it to yourself. Go find it now. Start taking some walks alone around the neighborhood. Go get on a trail. Um, take a journal. You can start doing some journal entries and just start reflecting on your year. Um, we talked about those lists. Um, you know, there's all kinds of ways to uh, find a context for yourself where you feel like you can just be present to who you are, what you're up to in the world, and just watch your emotional body in that moment. Watch your thoughts come and go, watch your feelings come and go, and just observe like, this is me, this is my life, right? And particularly if you're out, able to do it outside, and again, I don't, um, this is such a beautiful little meadow right here. Uh, if I wasn't doing this podcast and I was here, I would definitely be posting up by one of these trees and just laying down and looking up at the darkening sky and wait for the stars to come out and just be with the trees. Just be with nature. Honestly, if I could only say one thing on this podcast, it would say, I would say, just be with nature. It's really that simple. Everything else is a uh, nice paint, nice paint job. But just getting out wherever you are. And again, even if you live in a deep city, there's nature somewhere. There's going to be a, a park nearby. Even if it's just a, a scraggly tree growing out of, you know, the corner of the sidewalk that the city put in a few years ago. But just going and making contact with nature, listening to the birds, the crickets, the changing sounds, getting near some water and listening to water or the sound of the wind in the trees. Right, smelling the change in the air as the cool weather comes and all that it brings. Um, touching things, right? Crinkling the dead leaves with your hands, um, feeling the cold water in a stream. Um, you know, listening, feeling how the grass sweeps across your pant leg when it's dry and brown. Whatever, right? File, file, looking for some animal tracks. And just thinking like, what was that animal up to when I saw that track? So really getting out in nature is the easiest way because again, nature is the foundation of literally everything else we do. Everything we do is built on the foundation of nature. So it's an indispensable resource across the board. Well, that's it. Um, fall equinox. I hope you uh, find a beautiful way to spend it, and I'll see you next time. All right, folks, thanks so much for tuning in. That is the show for today. And um, if you're a first-time listener, uh, thanks for coming by. If you're a regular listener, I um, always appreciate the ears. And... Um, yeah, uh, you know, listen, the bottom line here is whether it's an unauspicious day like fall equinox or whether it's just any old day, uh, I know for me, any time that I can make space in my day to acknowledge 
nature in whatever form it is um, outside of myself, the more magnificent, the more awestruck, the more uh, peaceful of a day I have. There's just, just something about um, getting in touch, finding that way to make a conscious connection that we're not living in a vacuum on this planet, that you know, that all the nature around us, the sky, the sun, the stars, the moon, the trees, the plants, the animals, the, the dirt, you know, underneath our feet, that is what we make our world out of. Everything, everything we interact with, touch, eat, drink, use, uh, drive, talk on, sit on, uh, keyboard on, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're interacting with anything, you're interacting with nature on some level, it all came from Earth. So just getting back to that original source and seeing the magnificence of, of how we are sustained on this planet, um, you know, for me, that always gives me uh, just a little bit of an out breath, a little way to just relax and to um, find some gratitude to just be an acknowledgement of like, it's amazing. It's amazing that we get to do this on, here on this planet, whatever it is we're doing. So uh, yeah, I really encourage you guys to um, just get outside and connect any way that you can, even just sitting on your front porch and feeling the evening breeze while the sun goes down. You know, we're always trying to uh, get in front of the men who are gonna benefit from hearing this kind of message, the rising man message. So um, anytime, if you're a regular listener or if you enjoyed what you heard here, if you wanna hit the like button, subscribe to us uh, on the podcast platform of your choice, write a review, uh, give us some stars, you know, whatever it looks like, all that um, really helps. Uh, just kind of bump us up into visibility and put us into the threads of the men who might be looking for something like this uh, to help themselves. So help us out, help us, help you, help them, help us, help you, help them. And together we'll make the world a better place. And finally, huge shout out to my man, Julian and Mark. These are the two guys behind all of the rising man presence out there on the internets. And uh, yeah, they're the ones who, um, you know, do everything from I just basically hand off to them this recording of my voice they basically put it together edit it down they do the write-ups the yeah, the digests they get it on the platforms um, they make it sound great they make it look great um, these guys are working hard and um, you know I know for me I have a tolerance with being behind the keyboards but these guys are dedicated uh, across the Rising Man platform um, of just making sure that you get a good quality, um, valuable information. And uh, so thank you to the power team, Mark and Julian. And uh, what else can I say except for um, find out who you are inside by getting outside. See you next time.